can't be a good me. You can't be a good Keith. You can't be a good brother Kenneth. You can't be a good brother Hagen. You can only be a good you. And God gave you gifts and talents that he didn't give to anybody else. And he put you in places that he didn't put me. And he didn't put Keith and he didn't put anybody else. And he created you to be different than us. And then he sent you out to be your delightful self. And to come in contact with who you were going to come in contact with. Because I don't know who you know. And I don't have the family that you have. And I don't have the friends that you have. And I don't have the relatives that you have. And I don't have the boss that you have. And I don't have the neighbors that you have. And I don't go in the stores that you go in. And I don't, none of the stuff. I don't have your whole 160,000 Facebook friends. Because I don't even do Facebook. I don't even know how to get a Twitter account. I don't do any of that stuff because I don't have time. By the time I finish my 260,000 emails in a day, I'm done for the day. I'm done. So I don't have time for that stuff. But you do. So you're coming in contact with people that I would never come in contact with. So here today, I want us to do something. And like I said, you probably never done this before. I want you to close your eyes, everybody in here, and I want you to think of your very worst enemy. Enemy. Person that you would think you hated the most, or that has done you the most wrong, or that you would not get along with the most, or that you have the most opposition to, or that you wouldn't want to be in the room with, or you wouldn't have, say somebody put you in a a hotel room that was just a 10 by 10 for six months. You couldn't live. Think of that person. Some of you may not can think of anybody, but think of that person for just a minute. Everybody got them? Everybody out there on the internet got them? I hope it's not your spouse. (laughs) But think of that person. Now keep them in mind, and I want to read you these verses. It's going to be different than you think. I want to read you, you can open your eyes. Maybe you got several people, I don't know. Some people have odds with several people. But I want to read you these verses and remind you of what hell is like. I don't want you to turn there today. I want you to listen. Because look, I got all these pages and I just want to be led this morning about what we do. Okay? So help me this morning, all right? Will you help me? All right. He says in Matthew, he cast them into outer darkness. Now think for just a minute with me what it would be like if you never had any light to do anything. Your electricity's gone off for an hour at nighttime. What if it never came back on and it never became daylight again? Outer darkness where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Anybody ever grind their teeth? Matthew 25. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. So add those up. It's dark, and it's everlasting fire. It's pitch black dark, and it's fire. Have you ever gotten burned on a stove? How many of you ever burned yourself with something? Raise your hand. How'd it feel? Even just a finger. Everlasting fire. Then Revelation says, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. 
They're tormented forever and ever. It never stops. There's no reprieve, not even for a second. They're in darkness and there's fire and they're tormented forever and ever. It's not stopping. And they have no rest day or night. How many of you have gone 24 hours without sleep? Can get pretty tired, can't you? What if forever and ever you had no rest? You have no rest day or night. Revelation. They're thrown alive into the fiery lake burning with sulfur. So not only are they in darkness and weeping and gnashing their teeth in an everlasting fire, in torment, with no rest, day or night, in the burning lake of fire, but it smells like sulfur. Now you in Branson may not know a sulfur smell, but everybody here in Florida <laughs> knows the smell of sulfur. Because when you drive down the streets here, they turn the sprinklers on and it stinks. Well, I can just only imagine that that's magnified there. How would you like to have to live in that and smell that all the time? Forever and ever. And ever and ever and ever and ever. Day and night, everlasting, forever. And it says, then they will go into eternal punishment. Sounds like eternal punishment, doesn't it? And then, that's in Matthew. Then 2 Thessalonians says, in the flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, who would obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And that's the most significant. To be totally separated from God and never have another chance, never have another opportunity to get to know Him, to get to be with Him, to get to be around Him. Now I want you to close your eyes again. And I want you to think about that person you were just thinking about that you hated so much. And ask yourself this question. Do I hate them that much? Do I hate them enough that I want them to go to hell? Have they done me that much wrong that I want them to go to a place like that forever? I think not. I think that the Lord told us, you can open your eyes, that once you're saved, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And even that person that has done you that wrong, that has been so mean to you, maybe your head said, yeah, but as you were doing that, something inside you down here was saying no. Because that love on the inside of you was saying no. I don't want anybody to go there. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go to a place like that. I wouldn't want the person that's treated me like dirt to go to a place like that. So then ask yourself a question. Close your eyes again.
think of your neighbor. Think of your coworker. Think of that person you come in contact with at the grocery store all the time and you know them by their first name. Think of your brother. Think of your sister. Think of your boss. Would you want them going to that place? They're not your enemy. You work with them every day. You're actually friends with them. Think of maybe your best friend that's not saved. Would you want them going to a place like that? Open your eyes and look at me. Have we been doing our job? Have we been doing our job? Do you know why people don't witness and live their life and show people the Lord? Insecurities. Most people want to go a witnessing. Most people, if we were to say today, we were to say, we're getting up a mission trip to go to Mexico. We're getting up a mission trip to go with Keith to Samoa. We're getting up a mission trip to go to Australia with Brother Keith. I would dare say that a lot of people would sign up. They would want to go. But why don't people want to witness here where they are? Why don't people want to witness to their neighbor, to their banker, to their grocer, to the person at the cell phone store, to the person they come in contact with at work every day? Why don't they want to witness to them? I asked the Lord that. I said, why? Why, Lord? Why is it such a deal that people don't want to witness? Why is it, I don't want to, I don't want to show a hands, but why is it when people fill out paperwork, they don't even really want anybody to know their denomination? Or why is it when they fill out stuff, they don't want people, people they don't even want people to know that they go to church? It's like they're ashamed of the Lord. It's like they're embarrassed that they speak in tongues. It's like they're embarrassed of what the Lord has done for them. They don't want to be associated with the things of God. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is because there's a lot of flaky people out there. But number two, the one the Lord told me, is this. Because if you go on the mission field, you can be somebody else for a week. You can be a different person for a week. You know, Brother Hagen started, when he started uh, Prayer, Healing, and Counseling Center, the Lord told him, he was praying every week, we were there. He was praying every week and the Lord told him, stop the counseling center. And I mean, when he told him to stop it, the name came off the building the next week. He stopped the counseling part. And he said, because sheep need to be counseled in their own sheep fold. Well, why is that? Because pastors know their sheep. They've been around them. They know who they are. They know if you go to another pastor and say, I don't understand why I can't, my bills are not paid. I don't understand why my kids are acting out. I don't understand these things. Well, the pastor's been with you for the last five or 10 years and they see you ain't worked for the last five or 10 years. They see you've been lying every time. You don't do anything. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. And they're going to say, because they don't do the things that God told them to do. So that's why their life's a mess. 
But this other person's going to say, they're going to tell this other person whatever they want to tell them. That's what the Lord told Brother Hagin. The Lord told Brother Hagin that. Well, it's the same thing with witnessing. Keith said a couple of weeks ago when he was here, quoted that verse, you shall be a witness. And it hit me just standing right over there. That's when this hit me. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. We're either good witnesses or bad witnesses, but we is a witness. We is a witness. And the reason God told me, I, mean, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I mean, he dropped it in me like somebody, like uh, you ever seen Wiley Coyote and those, like drop that anvil on the top of my head. Because they can pretend to be somebody else when they're out a witnessing. But where they are, they have to be who they are with their neighbor, with their coworkers, with their boss, with their family, with their friends. They are who they are. And they are being a witness. And he had me go back and look at how people in the Bible were witnesses. How was Jesus himself a witness? How was different people a witness? Do you want the people around you that you know? Because we are unwilling to put our flesh under. No, I know you don't. I know you well enough to know you don't. To die and go to hell because we haven't done our part because of insecurities. Let's look at some of them. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus was willing to minister to anyone. Even when the disciples said, turn the kids away or, or lady don't bother him or whatever, what did Jesus do? He said, let the little kids come. He went up and touched people. Let's look at a couple of them. I'm not going to try to, I'm, again, I'm not going to try to um, get you to turn to them, but I'm going to tell them to you because, like I said, I got a lot of notes here. Let's see here. I got my pages mixed up because I went out of order. Let's see here. Um, in Ma and Matthew... Let's skip that one. Save time. In John, he left Judea and he departed to Galilee. Now, was he holding a meeting? No. It said he must needs go through Samaria and he came to the city of Samaria and there was a lady there uh, that was drawing water. You remember the story? Yes. So he went to get water from this lady. And she was a lady of Samaria. She was not his religion. She didn't believe the way he believed. That would be like you coming up against, I don't want to call different religions, but I'm, so I'm going to call several. Uh, Muslims, Baptists, Catholics, Lutherans, any other religion that doesn't believe the same way that you believe. Did he shun her? Do we have a tendency of doing that? If somebody doesn't believe the same way that we believe, do we have a tendency of walking away, not loving them? It's not okay. We have to look at our lives before them. And what's the New Testament commandment? We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments, but we do have to love. And what is going to bring people into the body of Christ? The goodness of God. 
leads people to repentance. So if you live in a neighborhood where nobody is saved and you keep preaching to them, they're probably not ever going to come. Or you keep telling them the wrong that they're doing, they're probably never going to come. You know, in all the years that Keith and I have been doing this, God has privileged me to do, Keith preaches, but I've done the natural things. I've dealt with the people at City Hall, or I've dealt with the banker, or I've dealt with the person that does the stuff at the house, or I've dealt with all the natural people, just like most of you do. I don't know of a time that I've sat there and quoted a verse to them. I don't remember a time. I do know that with some of them, it's taken decades to get them in church. Decades to get them serving God. How long did it take some of you to get in church? When some of your family preached to some of you, how did you react? Did you resist it? Did you turn it away? The greatest thing that we can do for the people around us is the things that Jesus did. Okay, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Do you remember her? Yes. How many people, oh, I'm going to get down in your business now. How many people that somebody's been caught doing something wrong, the act of adultery, would just look at that woman and say, go and sin no more. The Lord loves you. Where does it say she was saved? What if it was with your spouse? Could you still love them? Or do you want them to go to hell? We're supposed to be a people of love. But if we react exactly the same way that the world reacts, you know, I've watched that little show sometimes, Judge Judy, because I want to see what people are suing people over. And I have been in shock that family members sue each other over $200. My kids left and they left their room a mess. I'm suing them because I want them to come back and paint their room and replace the carpet. I'm suing my kid because he wrecked the car and I want him to fix it. But those things happen in church too. Yes. And they may not happen with the person that's sitting next to you, but they happen with the family member maybe that's not in church. And you think they deserve it. Do you know why Keith Moore preaches prosperity as hard as he preaches prosperity? Because if you had enough prosperity, you would care less that your son wrecked that car and you would fix it and you would love him and you'd say, it'd be okay, boy. I love you more than I love that car. Or you tell your kids, oh, the carpet's no big deal and the paint's no big deal. I love you more than I love that room. Right. I've dealt with this more than I want to admit with church members and their exes. They're suing me for more child support.
So you take them to court for that or for something else. What if you had enough money for both you and them? Could you care more about that person than that money? We have got to care more about people than things. That's why Keith Moore preaches about money so much. Because so many people are wrapped up in how many people stab each other in the back on their jobs because this person is getting more money than that person is. And it becomes not about people, it becomes about money. How many people sue people and are no longer a witness to them about things, inheritances, and lose their family members that they should be winning to the Lord to keep them from going to this place. If people think that you are a Christian and you go to that prosperity church and all you care about is suing them and that's the way God's going to prosper you, they're never going to accept the Lord. Never going to accept the Lord. Or if you go in a restaurant and you chew out the waitress because she didn't get your meal just right and leave her a track <laughs> instead of a $100 tip, never going to serve the Lord. Just the other day, we've been, we've been going to this same restaurant here in town over and over and over and over and over again. Keith likes it. And I often, I, I'll say almost every time, leave a $100 tip. How can I do that? I'm prosperous. Now, my money is not more important to me than people. And the minute that it becomes that way, I'm going the wrong direction. And if I'm just believing for money to do things for me, I'm going the wrong direction. But if you don't do it with the little, if when you go in a restaurant, you don't leave almost as much as what your bill was, you care more about you than you do about them. And you can't tell me that every person that's standing on their feet for eight hours waiting tables is not believing God or, or working and doing what they know to do, that you can't be a blessing to them? Well, they're going to go spend it on drugs or they're going to go spend it on this. The goodness of God will lead people to repentance. Amen. The other day, I went and had my teeth cleaned. And this lady, I don't know, she could be watching, I don't know. She doesn't know me from Adam, was telling me about this curling iron she wanted. She was going to make payments on it, on a curling iron. Which is more important to me? I don't know if she's saved. I don't know if she knows anything about the Lord. When I get ready to go, I, hand, I keep $100 bills on me. All, if somebody gives me $100 bills, it goes in the back of my phone so I can hand it out. Keith gives me $100, I put them in the back of my phone. He gives, as quick as he gives them to me, I give them away. I'm never without them. I am never without them. I turn around, I hand, she cried like a two-year-old. Like a two-year-old. Which is more important? That $100 bill? Well, Mrs. Moore, you could say that because you said just now you're never without them. That's why I'm never without them. Amen. Do you know Keith and I started out? Let me tell you how we started out. Keith grew up, he didn't even have a bathroom or a telephone. He didn't have one. When we got married, 
I bought him a set of Sears and Roebuck tools that cost $99. Now that's under $100. And I charged it and paid $9 a month on the tools and a dollar for interest. We lived in a trailer that in the wintertime in Mississippi, in Mississippi. Now, it don't get that cold in Mississippi. The water in the commode froze. I didn't have a stove. I didn't have an oven. I didn't have heat. The wall was like this. This was the outside of the trailer. This was the wood paneling. There was a two by four, a one by two, not even a two by four, a one by two in between it with no insulation. You have to remember when this was. Keith and I aren't 20 anymore. They don't make these homes like they used to. Nowadays, they look like a house. And they're made like a house. We didn't have heat. We got a wood stove that I build the fires in it so hot that my father-in-law thought that place was on fire one night when he came in. How did we get from there to where we are today to where God blessed me with a $200,000 Bentley for $49,000? Do you know how much I've driven that car? One time. Maybe twice. I don't want to exaggerate. Don't want to lie. Maybe twice. That's because it doesn't mean more to me than other things. Than the things that we're doing for the Lord. Than the people that we're doing things for the Lord. If you have $20 in your billfold and you go eat, you need to spend $10 on what you eat and $10 on leaving somebody a tip. Do you want to prosper? Yes. Do you want to be a witness? Yes. What is the biggest thing that the world fights over? Money. It's the biggest thing. You want to win people. So we were going to this restaurant. Every time we go, I leave at least $100. Every time I get my hair done, I leave at least $100. This lady told me I was doing my hair. This lady told me, she said, you don't understand. Every time you've come, I have needed scissors. I cut hair for a living. And every time you've come, you've left me $100. These scissors cost blank amount. She starts crying. And she says, every time you come, you left me that. I was able to buy these scissors that I've needed for years. They told me they couldn't sharpen mine anymore. Now, do you think that ministers to someone? Do you know what happened after that? Cheryl, is my word true? Did they show up at church? I never said one word about the Lord. I never said one word about preaching to her. You love people and love what they do and care about what they do and what's going on in their life. This lady at the restaurant. Every time we go in there, she shows me her grandkids' pictures. She doesn't know me from any, anybody or us. Then she says, we're going to play putt-putt today. Would you go with us? That's how you build relationships with people. You don't just meet somebody and say, would you get saved today? You're going to scare, they're going to run a hundred miles from you. But you love on people week after week after week after week after year after year after year. And then when their baby gets sick, You tell them, I'm going to be praying for you. Drop that word in there. Mm -hmm. Like in Corinthians, I planted, Mm -hmm. Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You plant seeds 
continuously. Whether it's your sister, or your brother, or your mother, or your boss, or your ex-wife. What if you could pay more than your ex-wife was expecting of you to pay? What if school's starting and you went out and gave her more than they needed for school supplies and clothes? How many ex-wives are going to be mad about that? And you went out and you bought your kids a new car and paid the insurance on it and paid for their school without the wife asking. What are they going to have to fuss about? I know one of our employees told me one time, she said, she, she called me and she said, I am just furious. I said, what? She said, we gave money for the kids and she went and bought clothes with it. I said, bless her. Bless her. Buy the kids some more clothes when they come see you. She said, oh. Do you know today they have a good rapport? They're not fussing. They're not fighting. Do you know not long ago this woman almost got killed? What if she would have got killed? Do you know we have no guarantees of tomorrow? Especially if you're not saved. Especially these unsaved people. Say it's your brother or your sister or this person you go and work next to every single day. I know Keith and I traveled a lot. We've always traveled a lot, but we were really traveling a lot then. And we lived in Broken Arrow. And um, we had, the houses were just like right next door to each other. You know how they are a lot of times. Just, I mean, you could almost touch them from each other. And um, these neighbors of ours, um, we, we didn't ha ever have any troubles with them because uh, we made it a point not to, but they had this little dog that barked all the time and I didn't know as much about confession as I do now. And I called it Yappy Doodle. Bad, bad, because that, it just yappy doodled all the time. I mean, it yappy doodled in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening and in the nighttime. It yappy, 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 yappy. It barked all the time. Well, that wasn't my problem. We got past that. I'd turn a fan on or I'd do something else and we never complained to them. We never said anything to them. It was their little dog. They probably loved the little dog. But we were gone one time. And um, we came home and we had these privacy trees that were probably 25 foot tall all around our chain link fence in the backyard. And we came home, and they were all gone. Every single one of them cut to the ground with a stob about this high. We saw some dead leaves on them, and we just figured y'all would want to get rid of them. How many of you would be suing somebody? <laughs> How many of you would go over and knock on somebody's door and have a rift and be troubles with the neighbors? We said, oh yeah, they probably had some kind of bug in them. They're probably dying anyway. End of the conversation. Wasn't long after that, the Lord dealt with us. Give them money for their vacation. The guy starts crying. He tells Keith, he says, you don't understand. I didn't have as much come in on my paycheck. We had planned this vacation. We had bought the tickets. We'd paid for the hotel room, but we had zero spending cash. Wasn't long after that, this family was saved at church. We never preached to them. We were rarely there. What did preach to them? Our actions. What we did. 
Now you can sue people from now till Jesus comes. And you can get mad at them. And they can go to hell. Is that why you were put there to be their neighbor? Why did God put you there? Why are you here on this earth? Why did he have you walk across that person's path? Why did you sit next to that person this morning at church? Coincidence? Happenstance? Or do you really believe we are directed of the Lord and He directs our paths and He leads us and He guides us every step of the way. You ever sang that song? Yes. He leads me and He guides me. I'm not going to sing it. You wouldn't want to hear it. But I believe that. I believe if you're saved, you have the greater one that lives inside of you. And He leads you and He guides you. I believe on a regular basis, your life is coming in contact with people that you're being given opportunities to minister to, yes. not preach to. Amen. There's a difference between ministering and preaching. Yes. You can minister to someone love, kindness, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness. What are those? Oh. The fruit of your spirit. And we should be growing in those. Long-suffering when somebody cuts your trees down. Gentleness and kindness when people do you wrong. That's who we represent. What do you think Jesus would have done? We should all get those, new, those bracelets back out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Do you think he would have went over there and knocked on their door? How dare you serve them with papers? What were those trees worth? They, have, they were a husband and wife and four kids. trees. I'd have to live with that. What kind of preacher would I be if it was more important to me a tree than a person? What kind of person would you be if your car is more important to you than that person that hit it? I remember. You think we, we just talk things, but the Lord's reminding me of things as I'm standing here. I've got a whole thing full of notes here. Of things that happened in the Bible that the Lord gave me all week long. But sometimes natural examples are better. I remember Keith was in the parking lot one day. He just got a brand new Corvette. It was gray on the top, black on the bottom. The Lord had blessed us. He went through this parking lot, and this woman ran right into him. Right into him. He gets out. The woman is crying her eyes out. She says, I don't have any insurance. She looks at his car. She says, oh, God, I don't have any insurance. It's her first words. Oh, God, I don't have any insurance. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I can't pay for this car. Keith pats her on the shoulder. She was a little bit older lady. He said, don't worry about it. We'll work something out. She says, I can pay you a little bit along. Get it fixed. I think she paid us $50 a week like forever. <laughs> we didn't call the police. We didn't sue her. We didn't file it on insurance. We did nothing. 
Which was more important at that time? Keith stopped. He grabbed her hands and he prayed with her that the money would come in. Hmm. Which is more important? That Corvette or that woman? These things are a lot easier said than done. It's your only car. I told you at the very beginning of the service that the most important reason why people don't witness is insecure. Let me explain that to you. They are insecure in the fact that God will take care of them. Amen. That someone is going to get it over on them. They're not going to get this over on me. I'll show them. No. You just played right into the devil's hands. Where is our trust? Who protects us? Amen. Because when you sow that kind of stuff, what do you do? We had a whole series on judging in here. And we talked about when you judge somebody, you need to put it down on your daytimer because it's coming right back to you again. And you've just opened the door again for you to have to deal with it again. And sometime we'll have to grow up and say, you know what? God, I trust you more than I do them. They don't have it. Why do you think they're harassing you about the money? Because they don't have it. And they're not even saved. They don't even know who their source is. They don't even know how to get it. Why do you think they're so rattled and they're so upset? They don't know who the peace giver is. You do. You do. It's not okay just to let people run over you. But the Bible does say if they hit you on one cheek, if they steal your coat, Whose Bible is that? Is that just in my Bible? No. Did I get a special Bible? No. A special Bible just for preachers. No. I don't think so, guys. You are, like that little video, I doubt they can show it, but that little video about being a light. Everywhere you go. Let me tell you a couple of them before we go. Let me get back to it. I'll tell you a couple of them. I'll, I'll skip the Jesus ones. You know about Jesus. You've read him enough. Let me tell you about a, a couple of other ones. You know about Jesus. Don't you know about Jesus? Yes. If you don't, get your Bible out. <laughs> How many of you remember Rahab? Yes. Rahab was a harlot. Yes. But Rahab is in the bloodline. What if Rahab had been too busy to take the spies in and didn't want to take any slack for doing that? Where was Rahab when she took those spies in? What was that? In her house. She didn't go to a foreign land and minister to someone. Rahab was right there in her house. We were in our house when those trees were cut down. Keith was in his car about a mile from his house when it got hit. Rahab was in her house when she ministered to those spies. And it saved her whole life, her family's life. Go back and read it. Some of you are confused about it. What about Queen Esther? Queen Esther. 
She was in her house at that time. When she saved everybody. But she had to do what the Lord told her to do. She had to be obedient to the Lord. What about Joseph? Where was he? In his house? When the woman accused him of stuff? He was in his house when he was a witness to the king and was uh, his self and loved everybody and didn't get bitter. Do you know how easy it would have been for Joseph to get bitter about all the things the people said about him and what his brothers did to him? You think you've had bad things thrown at you in your life and you have a right to be bitter. You have every right in the world to be bitter. Bitterness will only destroy you. Do like Joseph did. He got thrown in a pit. He got accused by that woman of doing stuff. His brothers lied on him. Uh, Everything went bad for him. And yet and still, he never lost his love for the Lord. He never blamed the Lord. He continued to be a witness. Let me read you one part of it. Verse 3, let's see, in Genesis 39, it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. How can you see if the Lord's with you if you're bitter and mad? Doesn't happen. But he was right there in his place being a witness for the Lord. He didn't go to another land and witness. He was in his punishment being a witness for the Lord. Let's see. And I've got another one here that I think we can possibly end with. Anybody know the story of Daniel? It says, everybody sought to find occasion with Daniel. But no one could find fault with him. No one could find fault with him. Was Daniel Jesus? Was Daniel a preacher? Was Daniel just somebody doing what the Lord told him to do? Is that you? Why do people want to go away from home to be a witness? Because they have to live it at home. And people around them know who they are. Daniel lived here. And the people around him sought every way they could to find fault with him. But they could not. That's us. We have to live our lives, and you don't have to be perfect, but you do, the one thing you do have to do is do what the Lord tells you to do. Then when you do what the Lord tells you to do, Mm -hmm. He can protect you. That's it. It's not complicated. And then, guess what? If you do mess up, Mm -hmm. you repent. And then, guess what? Mm -hmm. He can protect you. It's just that simple. But we have a job to do. Whether it's somebody that we've hated most of our lives, whether it's the person we come in contact with in the grocery store, whether it's the person that we only see on occasion, no matter who it is, we have to be a witness for them. And we can't be embarrassed by God. If you live your life right, there's going to be times when there's something going on in another person's life and they're going to want to know why your life is going better than their life. They're going to want to know. But your life has to be going better. It has to be real to you. 
refuse. Say, I refuse. I refuse. To let someone steal my witness. Let someone steal my witness. Especially, Especially the devil. And he sets traps for you guys. That's what he's doing. Those trees, that car. I could probably stand here and think of other ones. That the devil, I know, especially me. When I was working at Rayma, I remember it just, uh, this one person said, Mrs. Moore approved that. I'll never forget it. I didn't even know about it, much less approve it. Got called to Ken and Lynette's office. Called me on the carpet. I never said a word. I just smiled. I said, okay. Never made the person that I knew approved it. Never looked back. Never said anything ugly about them. Never did anything. Less than a month, that person was gone. Brother Hagen taught us this. If a person is going to fail, make sure you had no part of it. If a person is going to fail, be sure you had no part of it. You don't want to be a party to the devil. You don't want to ever be on his side. You don't ever want to side with the devil instead of with God. I remember one time, we went to this church, and this person said something so negative about somebody. And they were setting me up. I mean, they were doing their best to get me to say something. Keith and I were there at dinner, trying their best to get me to say something negative about that person. And during the meal, after they tried for 30 minutes to get me to say something negative about that person, said all this stuff that we knew was possibly true. They got up. They went and called the person before the dinner was even over and told the person they wouldn't say anything. I tried. I pressed them. And before we got back home, we had already heard that they knew about it. Don't let the devil use you that way. Don't let him. You be the witness God has called you to be. To this day now, that person would trust us because they would know. If this person, if Alfredo would talk about me, he'll talk about you. Don't kid yourself. If he'll tell you something secret about him, he'll tell it about her. He'll tell. I have been privileged to be best buds with Mom Hagen, best buds with Gloria Copeland. But you would have to beat me to death to get me to tell stuff that I know. I wouldn't tell it. Stuff Brother Hagen has told me? No way, no how. You couldn't pry it out of me. There's stuff Keith doesn't even know. But why would God put me in that place? He wants to use all of us. Every one of us have graces. You have a grace and you have a grace and you have a grace. I wasn't graced to preach the way that Keith was graced to preach. I was graced to help Mom Hagen. But she needed somebody to help her. But what if I would have talked about everybody and everything? That wouldn't have been a very good witness, would it? If every place we went before we got there, they knew my reputation and it preceded me before I got there. We are not to go a witnessing. We are a witness. Our lives are witnesses. 
If somebody talks about your boss at work, if somebody talks about your neighbor, if somebody talks about this friend to that friend, you don't be part of their failure. Comes back again, even just for the reason of being your witness, but you're going to reap it. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet.